You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to Locked On College Football. It is a Ward and Wade Wednesday. I'm Josh Ward alongside Andrew Wade. I host Locked On Balls every day, and Andrew has Locked On Hawkeyes for you, covering what's going on with Iowa as the Big Ten gets back closer to playing here in just a few weeks. And, Andrew, we have a lot to talk about on today's show. We'll, we'll look back a little bit. We'll look ahead as well. Polls have been updated. That's gotten controversial, as is always the case, just for different reasons in college football. But this past weekend was fun. It was wild. I don't mind starting out with a little bragging. First of all, bragging on you. You said, hey, watch out here, Mississippi State. I, I like the Bulldogs to upset LSU, and it happened. You also threw some jabs at Texas, and Texas needed a big comeback to, to beat Texas Tech. So uh, last week, if people were listening, people knew what to do with their picks thanks to you. Yeah, man, I feel pretty good about that. I was watching the Mississippi State game, and my buddy was like, there's no way they're actually going to win this. And so he actually put money on LSU going into the fourth quarter because they, at that point, were underdogs. So, dude, you're going to lose your money, man. And then, sure enough, Mississippi State just closed it out. I felt pretty darn good about that. I feel pretty darn good about the Texas thing as well. I, dude, they're just – they're not back. Like, I – until they do something important, they are not back. And I think that's just kind of how I kind of go about it. And the fact that it took them until overtime to beat Texas Tech, the fact they're down 14 points with three or four minutes left. Um, yeah, I feel pretty good about our talk on last week's show. And I, I feel like they gave us a little bit more credibility. I know I'm a, a Big Ten guy, but – um, I do like to watch the rest of the rest of the college bowl landscape. Yeah, KJ Costello helped my all SEC talk for him at quarterback with uh, more than 600 passing yards against LSU. That helps. Now Kyle Trask looked really good, and I still think the best quarterback probably in the league is Trask at Florida. Now he's not going to face Ole Miss every week, I recognize. But uh, you know, if you go to the state of Texas, Texas A&M, and their fans with Kellen Mond have to be asking, okay, we've talked about him for years, and he's he's the veteran quarterback now. It's time to step up and. That did not exactly happen against Vanderbilt. Now they have Alabama this week, so it gets a little bit tougher. But uh, really just this past weekend was, was so wild with the results. You have the Oklahoma upset, of course. Are we looking at this being a storyline of you know, sports and college football can always be unpredictable, but is that amplified this year based on what we've seen to this point? I think so. I mean, especially early on in the season because the teams have not had as much opportunities to practice, especially teams under transition. And that's, that's why I chose Mississippi State against LSU. I mean, LSU is a team in a lot of transition. Say what you want. They are probably a more talented team on paper um, than a Mississippi State. But they are under a significant amount of transition. So any team that has a new offensive coordinator is breaking a new quarterback. Uh, Iowa's a great example. I mean, they have a new quarterback. That is tough on a program. So when you get into these early games, you haven't had a lot of contact you know, in practice. You have a new system you're trying to put in place. It just makes the season a little bit more unpredictable. Now, that being said, Oklahoma kind of – kind of shocked me because Spencer Rattler, he might be a new quarterback, but he's been in the system and he's been in there for a year. He's supposed to be a very strong quarterback and he looked well, you know, looked solid against crappy competition in his first week, but he was making some pretty poor throws um, this past week against Kansas state and they played really well in that second half. That stunned me uh, as we're sitting here saying, Hey, we should expect unexpected results. I thought that Oklahoma, I thought Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, um, Ohio State, when the Big Ten schedule starts up, I thought that they would be removed from that conversation, which I, I guess uh, is contradictory, saying, hey, we should expect unexpected results, but expect this to happen. But still, uh, especially you know, the way it started out, and 
you, you hop on social media in the early part of the game and there's a lot of, hey, Spencer Rattler, another strong start here. Uh, let's, uh, let's add him to the Heisman race. And by the end of the season, he's eliminated and we're kicking Oklahoma out of the, the playoff. Is, is that premature? Should we, should we be doing that, having that conversation, saying the Big 12 is almost eliminated from the playoff? Yeah, I mean, you still have to consider the fact that um, Texas, as much as I don't think Texas is back, they are still undefeated. So anything that's still undefeated obviously has a chance. Um, I'm interested to see how Oklahoma rebounds this week simply because of what happened against Kansas State. Um, but yeah, I think in the landscape of playing eight to nine games, one loss is even more amplified. It's already difficult to get into college ball playoff with one loss. But now with only eight or nine games, it makes it even more difficult, especially if an Ohio State runs a table with the Pac-12 back, if Oregon runs a table or whatever, or USC. Um, I think the Big 12 might have just shot themselves in the foot unless Texas can go undefeated. I think Texas is their, really their only true hope. Sure. And uh, when college football kicked off a couple of weeks ago, and we saw Arkansas State beat Kansas State. And we saw Iowa State uh, lose and, and it's open to the way that it did. And, and it's and look, it, I think it's bounced back in an impressive way to where the team looks closer to what we expected early in the season. And let's see how they play the rest of the way. But those early season losses and then Oklahoma losing to a team that was capable of losing to Arkansas State, I think just from a narrative standpoint, it's going to have a lot of people moving on. And even though Texas came back to win, in the minds of a lot of people, I think people look more negatively toward Texas. It probably should, right, based yeah. on that result. So now the Big 12 has to do – uh, a lot to earn our trust back, and that would mean, you know, a one-loss team may not get the benefit of the doubt, and 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 uh, uh, there could be a second SEC team that's able to get in over a one-loss Big 12 champ because of the damage the conference has done to itself. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this, I think, two weeks ago, just kind of ranking or power ranking those conferences, and we talked about the ACC being strong because they have Clemson. We talked about the Big Ten always producing one or two very strong teams, and the SEC usually having two or three teams in that college ball playoff discussion. The Big 12 has been left out before and is always kind of that – that you know, redheaded stepchild of the college football playoff, along with the Pac-12. I mean, those two those two conferences have a little bit tougher of a time getting into the playoff because they don't have the strength of their you know their conference even helping them out. Um, Oklahoma, there's not a lot of teams they can really beat in the next seven games to give them some credibility that they are a good team going into the college football playoff. You know, committee selection decision. That was a well, lot of words there. Yeah, and, <laughs> and one more team I would bring up where they're going to be in the playoff discussion, or at least they are right now. We'll see how the season plays out. Georgia. There, there's, of course, a lot of unknown about that quarterback position with them expecting to get JT Daniels back. But we, we can kind of use this as a transition to the next segment. But uh, Georgia at that position, it's huge, isn't it, with Auburn coming up. Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama uh, over the next three weeks is not easy for Georgia. But the Bulldogs still have talent. I, I would say this. This was my thought coming out of the weekend. It is Arkansas, and that first half was bad. There are worse starting points to say, man, they look, they look bad and still come out of there with a 27-point margin of victory. They, depending on where you got the line, they still covered for a lot of people. So to, if, if you start out with a 37-10 to win and you need to clean some stuff up, there are worse places to be. But that place is at quarterback, and, that, and that's going to be the big focus here heading into week two and over the next several weeks, I would say. Definitely. And we, we talked about that too last week. I, you know, I, I said that I didn't think that Georgia having a quarterback issue was going to be much of an issue for them, especially playing a team like Arkansas. Clearly I was wrong on that. I'll, I'll take the L on that one. Dwan Mathis just 
looked terrible. Having Stetson Bennett come in and play well, um, 211 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, that, that looked good for Georgia. But like you said, what happens now? Are they going to start Stetson Bennett? Or are they going to put JT Daniels in there, who is going to be seeing live action for the first time in some, in some time against an Auburn, which is a very important game in the SEC. We talk about with the Big 12, you can only have one loss. In the SEC, there's a little bit more flexibility just because it's stronger from top to bottom. But still, with eight, nine games, one loss is a big – it's a much bigger percentage of your, your total games than in a typical 12- to 13-game season. Yeah, it puts more pressure on you, and that's in a, a week, week in, week out. Every game's an SEC opponent coming up as well. So why don't we keep it there? That's a huge game for Georgia against Auburn. We'll look at some of the other big games coming up as we start to look ahead to the next week in college football. We'll do that right here on Locked On College Football Award and Wade Wednesday, today presented by BuiltBar.com. And they have all kinds of options, the 18 different flavors Andrew, all the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. You have Built Go as well. You need a little extra protein and energy during the day. They continue to add options. They continue to add flavors with the different bars. And they're healthy options for you as well. That's really important there at BuiltBar.com. Absolutely, man. And one of the things I love about Built Bar is that they're also continuing to come out with brand new flavors. I don't know about you, but I actually just, they they sent out the peanut, um, peanut chocolate chip or not peanut, pumpkin chocolate chip, excuse me. And I, I got right on that. I love the taste of, I don't like pumpkins, but I love the taste of pumpkins. Got the pumpkin chocolate chip. I've had it the last three days. It is fantastic. The Built Goes are incredible pre-workout you know, little snacks, 100, 100 milligrams of caffeine, a couple grams of protein. It's exactly what you need if you want to get into a workout. And then grab yourself a Built Bar at the end. So highly recommend everyone go there. Check out Built Bar right now. So if you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKDOWN, you'll get $10 off your next order. You can use that on Built Goes or the Built Bars or even the Built Boost. We haven't talked about that, but that is also a fantastic water supplement that basically makes your water taste like root beer, uh, cherry, cotton candy i mean there's some fantastic flavors with the built boost as well so go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on get ten dollars off your next order use promo code locked on for ten dollars off at builtbar.com so andrew it is uh, it's a night game at georgia and georgia's at home i'm still a, a little confused on what to say home or away uh, but you prefer to be at home <laughs> i imagine so 7 30 coming up on saturday night 7 30 eastern time georgia against Auburn, it's a big game for both teams. We're used to seeing these teams later in the season, huge rivalry. But Auburn is looking to be the team that can come out of the West to knock off Alabama. I'd say good luck there. But it starts with Georgia. It's a huge test there. And then Georgia, let's see where things are at quarterback and, and on offense. And I, By the way, I agree with Kirby Smart. It's not all on quarterback, but it starts there. And that's why the focus is on what they do at that position. Undoubtedly. And I think the big thing for Georgia is they do need to figure out that quarterback position, whether or not they're going to play JT Daniels or, you know, Stetson Bennett, uh, he, you know, they did talk about the fact that they don't know if they're going to actually play JT Daniels. He needs to win that spot, which I thought we all kind of, uh, it was kind of a foregone conclusion that he was going to, but I guess, I guess maybe not. But I think this game is actually more important for Georgia, not just because they struggled against Arkansas, but if you look at their next couple of games, they are in for a rough road ahead of them. Number seven, Auburn. Number 21, Tennessee, which I want to get to in a second because we actually were texting back and forth on Saturday on this. Yeah. Um, number two, Alabama. They get Kentucky, which just fell out of the rankings. But honestly, I thought Kentucky played pretty well for most of the game, shot themselves in the foot a little bit there. Then they get number three, Florida. They Missouri. Number 16, Mississippi State. That is a brutal six-game schedule where you have – 
three top 10 teams and two other teams in the top 25, that is, that is tough to handle. So for Georgia, this is a must-win game. I think for Auburn, if they get out of this game and they get a win, awesome. They actually have a relatively easy schedule going forward for the next couple of games before they get into the meat of their schedule with LSU, Mississippi State, and Alabama. Yeah, on the radio in Knoxville on Tuesday, we were actually talking about Georgia's schedule and what it is and comparing it to Tennessee because when the SEC announced the additional two opponents, the, the two added opponents, uh, to make it 10 games before the actual schedule came out, there were a lot of upset people in Knoxville saying the SEC was sticking it to Tennessee because Auburn and A&M were added to the schedule and Georgia got Arkansas and Mississippi State. But Georgia already had Alabama and Auburn on the schedule. And now the way that it's set up, there just is no break other than the literal literal break where they get a week off before playing Florida. Florida also has that week off. It's just every single game. And now all of a sudden Mississippi State looks like it's going to be a tougher game early on than what we would have said before the season began. It, it is brutal for Georgia. I think it's the toughest schedule among those teams in terms of what they have to face. And there's no easy 10-game SEC schedule. Nobody has it easy other than you can make a case for Alabama a little bit, but they get Georgia, you know, on the flip side. So uh, they have to get it figured out in a, in a hurry because as good as that defense could be, if you, if you have a mess of an offense, that's going to get you at some point. And it, maybe it's not this week. Maybe it's not next week against Tennessee. It's probably against Alabama if you haven't figured it out. So uh, I, I think they need to figure out something in a hurry and, you know, you worry about some kind of snowball effect. So uh, Georgia has a ton of talent and the roster is – about as good as anybody has in the country. But uh, what happens at quarterback? And I would still bet on JT Daniels being the guy, if he's truly cleared and he can go out there and play, I just have a hard time believing he doesn't ultimately end up being the guy. But again, that has to happen very soon. Yeah, I mean, we talk about, in college football, one loss in a 12-game season is a big deal. But again, that one loss in a 9-10 game, 8-game season is huge. And Georgia, if they lose that game against Auburn, there's a good chance they could lose a two or three games of their next four. And you mentioned a little bit about Mississippi State. You know, K.J. Costello in his first game in a new offense with a new team comes out and just goes off. So maybe that's what's in store for JT Daniels. If he can do that, I think faith is restored in Georgia after this week. But if he comes out or Stetson Bennett comes out and doesn't play well, this Georgia team could be in for a long season. Mississippi State, though, is an interesting one. I don't think a lot of people had a lot of high expectations for Mississippi State coming into the season, but I was very impressed. Not, not really, KJ Costello, I thought, played well. He put up some great numbers, but it was a very Mike Leach offense, man. The ball, you know, there weren't a lot of balls being thrown over five yards past the line of scrimmage. However, when he did, he was also connecting on those. But Kylan Hill, dude, Kylan yep. Hill looked real good on Saturday was just all over the place. Um, great contact balance, great run after the catch. I, I thought he was one of the most impressive players that I saw all day Saturday. Kind of a forgotten player, probably because he's in Mississippi State, but he's a really good running back. And, you know, he had an offseason that got a lot of attention because he was a part of, hey, I'm not coming back to Mississippi State or I'm not going to play unless something changes with the flag. And that was a big storyline, of course, in the offseason. So to go into the season opener and play as well as he did and uh, know that his, his role will be a little bit different in a Mike Leach offense, he uh, he was huge, and I, I think he's going to be one of the better running backs in the SEC, as he was last year as well. And those guys just have to be fired up too, right, to, to play for Leach and get that kind of win. You want to talk about getting a buy-in from the players. Well, you win at LSU. I know it's not the same team as a year ago, but you win there after they won the national title. Players are going to buy in, and uh, that's part of the conversation as well. You mentioned the Tennessee Vols. They had one of the more intriguing games of the weekend because it came down to the wire. South Carolina loses after a – Huge mistake on the the punt return that would have set South Carolina up for a chance to drive down the field 
to try to win, uh, to score a game-winning touchdown. But uh, Tennessee pulls out a win that means seven straight for the Vols going back to the final six last year and then opening up this season with a win. What do you make of Jeremy Pruitt's team, what it did as it's trying to climb up in the East? It's still considered to be behind Georgia and Florida, but ahead of the others in the Eastern Division. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely progress. I mean, Tennessee hasn't been the best team in the last couple of years. Um, I did think, though, that South – I mean, Tennessee played well, but I thought South Carolina kind of shot themselves in the foot. And that, you know, fumbled punt return was a microcosm of everything else that happened throughout that game. So, um, I do think it's a good win. I don't think South Carolina is a bad team by any means, but I don't think it was necessarily Tennessee winning that game entirely as it was South Carolina giving Tennessee opportunities and continually kind of hurting themselves throughout that game. Yeah, Will Muschamp in that program, uh, they have some issues. Last year was a disaster. Even beating Georgia, they went 4-8, and eight, and the schedule was brutal, I know. But uh, now they're 0-1. They have to go to play Florida, and that's not going to be easy for Will Muschamp. Um, bouncing around conferences, one more this segment. Uh, we, we haven't talked about the Miami Hurricanes. Florida State's a, an absolute disaster right now, but Miami also took advantage. So that's a, a team we've talked about on the show, you and I have at least the last few weeks. And uh, they continue to be excited and should be. Cle- Clemson's the class of the ACC and is the team to beat for sure. But Miami's getting more talk as North Carolina's finally getting back to action. But uh, I got to like what the Hurricanes are doing right now. Yeah, I mean, Derek King is a boss. I think people kind of forgot about him. He played at Houston last year, um, wanted to basically redshirt as a after four games, didn't want to play for Houston. There's a lot of weird kind of stuff happening in Houston um, last season, but Dude, the guy went off. I mean, 29 to 40 for 267 yards, two touchdowns, had eight carries for 65 yards. I think one of the things we talked about was the big plays of Miami and how they've been relying a lot on big plays throughout the season. But against Florida State, they just drove the ball down the field consistently and just dominated the hell out of Florida State. Now, Florida State is in a very bad state right now, but I think Miami has firmly put themselves in that conversation as a team that could contend against Clemson or is at least going to give Clemson a little bit of trouble. All right, so we asked with Texas, is Texas back? Is Miami back? That could be part of the conversation. Also, several teams are back in the college football polls. Should they be? We'll discuss coming up next right here on Locked On College Football. Andrew, we are still a few weeks away from the Big Ten starting up and then other conferences, Mountain West, the MAC, the Pac-12. Great to see that the Pac-12 is coming back, but have to wait a little bit. But we saw with the updated polls this week, teams jumping back into the polls. Some people are going to like it, some aren't. What do you think about polling teams that still have a few weeks to go before their actual seasons begin? Yeah, I think it's a little bit contradictory of people to not include some of them and then people to include some of those teams in. I I know some poll voters decided not to include teams that haven't played, but if you remember the first three weeks of the season, the SEC just played their first game this week. And prior to that, we saw SEC teams that hadn't played a single game move up in the rankings with an 0-0 record. So I don't understand how you can say SEC should move up and then, oh, wait, The Big Ten isn't playing yet. Let's hold off until they actually get some games going. Same for the Pac-12. That just seems a little bit uh, backwards to me. I had the same thought. Uh, It's probably going to be SEC fans that are complaining, right, if Ohio State's back in there in the top five. Or, you know, like Tennessee, I do locked on Vols. I haven't actually heard it too many times from Tennessee fans, but the Vols did move back because some teams were inserted into the poll. But two weeks ago, I didn't hear anybody saying, well, why is Alabama? in the top five or why is Georgia there because you knew that they were that good and that once they started play they would belong and if they lose like Oklahoma did they're going to get knocked back pretty far in fact if they lose that kind of game and same for Ohio State and and the other uh, teams in the Big Ten that 
They look like top 25 caliber teams. You just have to wait longer in this case. So it's also 2020. Like if we're not used to things just being weird and different and, and abnormal, then uh, at this point, you're never going to be able to adjust because we're several months into it at this point. So uh, I'll also add, I host a radio show and a daily podcast. So it's good for the controversy. It's good for the conversation, the argument. So I'm, I'm glad that they were put in for that reason so that I can hear the complaints of the fans and uh, tell them, ah, you're, you're a little bit crazy, but you know what? That's what makes it college football. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail right in the head. AP polls honestly don't actually matter a ton. It gives you a nice parameter or barometer of like where they might be at when the college football playoff committee comes out with the rankings. But really, it's just that. It's just a barometer of where they might be at. Um, but it is nice to talk about. It's fun to talk sure. about. I mean, as a as the host of Lockdown Hawkeyes, <laughs> Iowa was in the top 25 poll before yeah, the season it, right? began. Yeah, and then now they're not in there. So um, it gives me something to talk about, be a little pissed off about. But at the end of the day, as long as they win games, they'll be back in. It's just – it's just people are so dumb with how they do some of these things. It's just frustrating to see. Well, yeah, um, there's the inconsistency, which is uh, yeah. that's that, that's impossible to avoid when you have voters in college football in different parts of the country with different opinions in general. And then you throw in all of this. It's just going to be all out of whack. At some point, I think things will even out. But yeah, that's probably mid to late November at the earliest for things to seem semi-normal with a college football poll. But we do get more games, which adds to – uh, I think the attempt to be normal, uh, Alabama, Texas A&M, I mentioned A&M didn't look good against Vanderbilt. How interested are you in that game? That's the 3.30 CBS game on Saturday with uh, A&M being a big underdog going into this game. But you know, Alabama was playing a Missouri team that's not going to be a contender in the SEC either. Yeah, I mean, the Alabama-Missouri game, what I, what I thought was interesting about that is Alabama got up so early so, or so much so quick, it didn't really matter. They started playing their, their second team, and that's when Missouri was yeah. able to claw back a little bit. Um, I, I firmly think this is going to be a three- to four-touchdown win for Alabama. I don't think Texas A&M is a bad team, but Kelman didn't look that great. He hasn't – I mean, he has been a lot of hype and not a lot of substance over the last couple of years. I think Alabama is going to contain him, and – make everyone remember why they're typically one of the top teams in college football. And I think we forget that Alabama last year wasn't the typical Alabama we see. You better believe that Nick Saban has this team ready to go and ready to get back on track and remind people they are one of the top teams in college football. Yeah, they do seem locked in, don't they? And I know it's one game and it's Missouri, but uh, that's a team that brought back some guys that could have gone to the NFL. Najee Harris, Alex Leatherwood, Dylan Moses decided to come back instead of uh, go pro after his injury a year ago. So Alabama, obviously, very talented. Uh, we joke about Texas. Are you interested in the noon kickoff Texas against TCU? Is uh, Texas, the, the big goals that may be unattainable, they are still there after the comeback last week. Yeah, you better believe I'm interested in that game. I, I don't know what to expect from the Big 12, and I'm hoping sure. we get a little bit more clarity. You can't transfer over this team lost this team, so they're going to beat this team. You know, you can't transfer over at, you know, game to game, week to week. Otherwise, Kansas State might go undefeated, right? But I, I think it is interesting because TCU loses to Iowa State. Iowa State didn't play that well, honestly. Their defensive line did a great job against TCU. Texas needs overtime to beat Texas Tech. Iowa State loses to UV, you know, University of Louisiana Lafayette. What is Iowa State doing? We're going to find out between the TCU and Texas game and the Iowa State-Oklahoma game where some of those teams live at, um, at the top of that Big 12. Iowa State was a team that was expected to be uh, somewhat contending. Um, I, the Texas TCU game is going to be very interesting. I, if Texas wants to be on my good side, and I know our lockdown Longhorns host is going to be pissed at me, Pat's going to be mad, but they have to beat TCU by a lot, and they have to continue winning these games until they get to the Red River, Red River Showdown. Oklahoma-Iowa State is also a game I'm very interested in because Oklahoma 
you know, they have struggled against Kansas State. They lost them last year. They also struggle against Iowa State. Iowa State is one of those sneaky teams that does win big games and also loses the easy games. That's kind of how they've, they've always been. They've been since, you know, since they've gotten the new coach and whatnot, they have basically been right in that consistent window of beating good teams, losing to bad teams. And Oklahoma is that perfect window of they could take Oklahoma down to one and two. Yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued by Iowa State, Oklahoma, with Iowa State coming back and putting up 37 points in that win against uh, TCU last week. And uh, for Oklahoma, while we talk about the Big 12, it's a terrible start. And right now, Oklahoma in the, in the playoff would seem unlikely. You'll lose one more time, and that's probably going to do it. Oklahoma has to have the mindset of, okay, well, let's go put up 45 points and let's just try to blow out everybody every single week. And by the end of the season, nobody's going to remember what happened on September 26th because so many different things will have happened at that point. So uh, they, they put themselves in a bad spot, but there's a big opportunity for Oklahoma to right it's wrong. It's just going to take several performances. But if at the end of the season, Spencer Rattler's putting up huge numbers and their offense is scoring a lot of points, there will be some people at least saying, hey, put Oklahoma in the playoff. Forget about what happened in September a month before the Big Ten even began its season. And then you know, I don't know that there's much to say about Clemson versus Virginia, but we talked about Miami a few minutes ago. Clemson versus Virginia is uh, one more week before Clemson versus Miami next week. Yeah, man. Uh, I think Clemson will take quick work of Virgi- or make quick work of Virginia. When you look at what happened with the Alabama-Missouri game, and people kind of talked about this leading up to the game, it wasn't expected that Alabama would play their starters very long because they wanted to keep them fresh and ready for the game against Texas A&M. I expect the same thing for Clemson at Virginia when they try to get ready for Miami the following week. Clemson has the talent to be able to do that. They can probably play Trevor Lawrence for a quarter and a half or two quarters and have enough of a lead to kind of coast with their second stringers. But then that game gets me looking forward to the following week where we actually find out is this Miami team legit can they actually contend for an ACC title they get Clemson and honestly I think a a moral victory for Miami is being within two touchdowns of Clemson I know that sounds ridiculous but if they can stay within two touchdowns and keep it a close game until the fourth quarter that to me says Miami is back Clemson is the cream of the crop man I mean um, I'm an Iowa fan if they go to Ohio State and they lose by a touchdown, that's kind of a moral victory. Ohio State's a better team than Iowa. I think Clemson is a better team on paper than Miami. If Miami can keep it up, though, um, that to me means Miami's back. Yeah, and we'll have more time to talk about Trevor Lawrence versus D.R. King next week on the show. Uh, I, I feel like they just deserve um, mentions. One more mention, I guess, for Mike Leach whenever Mississippi State's against uh, anybody, Arkansas in this case. It's exciting. And then Lane Kiffin on the road against uh, Kentucky this week for uh, the LFG Co. 